So my like verses, Romans 12, 2, where Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so in every day and every way, I try to unlearn, unprogram, relearn, reprogram, because as you mature, you get to see the world through different lenses and you get this seasoning and you get this empathy and you get this wisdom. And one of my favorite quotes by Muhammad Ali is, the man who views the world at 50, the same as he did at 20, has just wasted the last 30 years of his life. Hey everybody, welcome to the Grow Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McNulty, and this is your personal development school of growth, where each week my guests and I will bring and break down big ideas and practices that will help you learn, grow, and succeed in life. Thanks for checking us out. Now let the growth begin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Grow Yourself Personal Development School of Growth. That's a brand new name, brand new tag, I should say. And this is our first episode for 2023. I, uh, I, during December, I was saying to myself, who can I get us to kick this off? And I was floating through LinkedIn and it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. The guest I have here, I'm, I'm telling you, she's tremendous. And I'll tell you more about that tremendous thing in just a minute, but really in full disclosure, She's, she's a friend of mine, but she truly is one of the most respectable motivational speakers out there, a coach. I mean, the whole thing, we're going to go through her bio in a, in a, in a moment, but we're going to talk about not just 2023. You know, I, I thought, okay, let's, let me find somebody we can talk about how to make a goal or something like that. And I thought to myself, now nah, let's go a little bit deeper than that. And so we're really going to talk about this idea of certainty or uncertainty about life, about how we can move through 2023. We all know it's a, this is a post-pandemic world, if you will. And, uh, and there are just so many things that have changed. Hearts have changed. We've lost a lot of people. People are trying to figure out, do I go back to work or do I you know, work out of my you know, bathroom? What do I do now? And so... I'm just going to have this deep dive with my guests about certainty and uncertainty and talking about how you can really sort of carve yourself out a more meaningful life in light of all of this uncertainty and things that are going on. So uh, my guest is, uh, as I said, is amazing. Her name is Dr. Tracy Jones. She, uh, I'm not even getting into an introduction because I'm going to, I'm going to bring her on board and then I'm going to step her through this so that she, cause she's a humble woman, humble professional. She won't go through everything, but I'm going to force her to. So in any event, please welcome Dr. Tracy Jones. Tracy. Wow. <laughs> Hi everyone, Kevin. Thank you. I am so honored to be kicking off as your mm. inaugural guest for 2023. Thank you. Well, it is an absolute pleasure. And I just, and, and I'm being sincere when I say that, you know, I was just kind of sort of letting it chewing over the, you know, holidays. Who, And then, then I don't remember, you posted something and I went, <laughs> that's it right there. <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just so grateful to you. Well, listen, uh, you know, welcome again to Grow Yourself. We're going to talk about uncertain times, but, you know, I usually, Tracy, I usually start off my podcast by asking a simple question, you know, who is Tracy Jones? But I think I would like to tell you who Tracy Jones is, Jones is and then ask you a little bit more. So this is really for my audience. Here's what you need to know. First of all, it's Dr. Tracy Jones. Uh, she's the author of 
not one, not two, not four, but 11 books. We'll, we'll go into that a little bit more. She's the president of Tremendous Leadership. And that whole tremendous word, that's an important word right there. And I'll tell you about it in just a second. She is a former Air Force officer, uh, Gulf War veteran. But let me tell you a little bit about that. She uh, she was not stationed, but she went to Mexico School of Military uh, the Military Institute. She's a graduate of the Air Force Academy. She was a fighter aircraft maintenance officer for F-15s and F-16s. So that means she's a badass. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, she deployed to the Gulf War and the Bosnian War. Oh, but we're just beginning here. She's actually a corporate fixer as well. At least that's how she started off, you know, sort of fixing corporate America, if that's possible. She has, she's been in, and then I read this, that she's been in the world of semiconductors and, you know, the defense industry. And that's kind of crazy too. She's a college professor. She uh, has uh, numerous awards, starting with honorary doctorate uh, at Central Penn uh, College, a number of leadership and business awards, philanthropy awards, and literally the list goes on and on. But, oh, there is more. She has received her MBA and her PhD. And then the, the last part of it, which at least for me as a speaker and a coach and, a, and, and all of that sort of thing, her dad is like, God rest his soul, is a rock star in our world. Many of you will know him. Some will not. But again, uh, if you hang out in the circles that Tracy does and you mention her dad's name, people are like, oh, hello, hold on. And so her dad is the late, great Charlie Tremendous Jones. So I'm just going to start there with you, Tracy. I mean, just wow. How are you even like uh, still upright with with all of this stuff that you've done? It's really it's mind blowing. Seriously. I appreciate that. And whenever I hear somebody kind of go back over all the decades, it's it does my heart good because all I can think a lot of is the uncertainty, mm -hmm. um, feeling like a failure, starting stuffing something. Sometimes I would quit. Um, and just feeling very like, am I ever really going to get it all together? Mm. So I'm thankful for this season of my life where I really feel that I can look back and I'm no longer a baby. I'm no longer a teenager, but I actually am coming into my own and you I can look back at the mistakes quote or the time wasted and realize all of that was all part of the process. And so thank you for that. I'm glad you see it. We're our own worst enemy. You know, we see the back of the tapestry with all the rips and knots and blemishes. All you see is the front. So, um, wow, so that well really said. means a lot to me. Thank you. Well, you're, you're, and I, what you're saying completely resonates with me in that, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the other part that, that I know about you, not just from what I know about you, but from other people that know you, you are a humble soul and you, you, you are what I call a yearner. You know, you're always yearning for meaning and purpose and and your your spiritual life and all of these sorts of things. And I think yearners inherently, you know, we we it's part of our being. We just we yearn for more and it's usually good, but it's still it can lead us down so many down different paths because we're still yearning for something. Are you still a yearner, by the way? Absolutely. And, and I love that you, you brought that up. You know, we want to yearn for things. Uh, but we don't want those things to get us. We want us to get it. And so uh, the two things that always motivate me is when an opportunity comes along, I uh, will say yes. 
I mean, of course, if it's yeah. w- within the thing. And that's always served me quite well because the more experiences you get, the more connections you have. Life isn't about what you know, it, it's who you know. So that has intrinsically been something for me. And the other thing is, Kevin, my most feared thing of all is regret, not failure. So I'm always motivated, like I'm going to try and unlearn, relearn, uh, learn again. And, uh, you know, my life verses, Romans 12, 2, where Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, mm. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. And so in every day and every way, I try to unlearn, unprogram, relearn, reprogram, because as you mature, you get to see the world through different lenses and you get this seasoning and you get this empathy and you get this wisdom. And one of my favorite quotes by Muhammad Ali is, the man who views the world at 50, the same as he did at 20, has just wasted the last 30 years of his life. So you have to be yearning. Otherwise, what what are you doing on on this planet? We're we're created to continuously be in growth mode until our very last breath. We wanna finish the race strong. Very, 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 very nice. And that, in again, in my way of thinking, goes with the notion of humility, that if you don't have a level of humility, you don't yearn. You you think if, you, you know, some, and we know people out there that just, they, they believe they've arrived. Now, maybe all of us, when we're like super young, we think we've arrived, <laughs> but then, you know, we hit the school of hard knocks and we start to realize, okay, maybe we haven't arrived. And then maybe some of us finally go, okay, this is not just like the there's not an end game here outside of our own uh since you brought it up our own eternal life you know where we we want that to happen i don't know if you can say that's that's an end game but it's certainly something that we aspire to but beyond that it's life is a process and i just believe that if you don't let's just say i'll just use the word fail if you don't have these hard times it's hard to be humble and it's hard to then want to grow more. Do you, do you agree with that? I absolutely do. And there's also, um, you know, cause I got my PhD in leadership and I am a data person. So I love mm. the motivation. I love the mm. aspirations, but I got to know the grounded research behind it. And if you don't keep mm. your mind growing, Mm. Um, you know, you start to get into a cognitive decline and that's why they're encouraging people, you know, we all have the capacity now with uh, modern day science to live into our nineties. Uh, my mother-in-law passed in November and she was 103. Mm. So oh. we're all living longer. So you want to keep your mind growing. The mind is a muscle and you can stave off a lot of decline of, of mental things. Uh, the other thing is, if you look at, my father was in the insurance industry. And if you look at people that retire and altogether stop without a purpose, without anything else, I think the actuarial tables are like your lifespan is about 12 to 15 years. So there is not just a, this isn't just a, well, if you feel like it, um, there are, there are physical and medical and cognitive benefits to continuing to learn because otherwise use it or lose it. And that is most definitely true with your mind. Wow. Well, listen, I want to ask you, and I, my audience knows this, I, I, I think you know it because I didn't send you any questions and you didn't send me any questions, that this is truly a conversation. It just, it, it evolves and, and that's the benefit of having folks like you with, with really a, a depth to you. So I'm going to throw you a bit of, of a curveball, I guess you could say, to start us off here and just ask you about just your general thoughts about the last couple of years that may have created this scenario that we that many find themselves in here at the beginning of 2023 of uncertainty. So 
can you just start that conversation, you know, about the last couple of years and where we stand right now? Well, it's interesting you say that, you know, when I was doing my doctoral research, I studied uh, two financial industries that went through a failed merger. Mm. And what I found out after going through all the interviews was the merger did not cause people to feel any differently or view the world differently than they did before. What it did is it revealed what was inside. Okay, so a crisis does not change you. It merely squeezes you and what's inside comes out. So Mm -hmm. I maintained the people that did not like going to work before COVID. Guess what? They're not like (laughs) COVID was COVID is 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 an event, Um, but the outcome is based on our response. So in leadership literature, it's called your adaptive capacity or regenerative nature. It's the number one key to a successful life. And now I hear people saying there's your EQ, your IQ, and now they call it your AQ, your adversity quotient. Mm. And so I look at people, um, if you are somebody that COVID knocked you out and you're not going to, I have people that tell me they're never coming out of their uh, home. Okay. Your choice, everybody, it's free will, folks. You get your own choice. So it's almost like an orchid. You know, I've had orchids and when people get into me, I keep them alive for about three months. And then no matter where I move, if I look at them wrong, they just, that's it, it's over. And then there are people that are like dandelions, no matter where they land, where they're planted, they're growing. Like wow, a I love that. Yeah, so people are either intrinsically coded to be very resilient and resiliency is just like any other skill. It can be grown. But you have to you have to really program your mind. It all starts here with the power of thought. So all these feelings of fear, I'm scared, I'm scared. Okay, but it goes thoughts, feelings, behaviors. So if you're scared, you're going to behave in scared ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all this stuff about and, and when when all the COVID stuff happened, what did I get? I got in my research database and I looked at peer-reviewed journals about what's really going on. I don't listen to the media anyways, but I fear-mongering, I despise. Um, and you know, I tell people if you can't cite it, don't write it. And you sure as heck better not call me and talk to me about it because you're going to get a big lecture from me. So consequently, I don't hear a lot of that nonsense because I'm like, "Mm -mm, don't talk. You can talk to the hand because the face don't want to hear it or what we used to say like 20 years ago. Um, (laughs) so that, that's really, it's really important to just realize, um, there's a lot of negativity out there and there's a lot of negativity going on right inside of our heads. So you have to be very cognizant of it and whatever it is you're afraid of, unpack it. Truth eliminates. So get to the source of your truth, but that, that entails a lot of work. So, um, my long story short about COVID, it just shows, it just showed what was already in people. I watched people who actually thrive during it, okay? Mm. And other people will never get over it. But that's mm. that's with anything, Kevin. I watch people that go through a death in the family or a divorce and they're never the same. And then I watch mm. people that you know are heartbroken like the rest of us. And yet they say, I must take this negative event and I must frame it in some way that I'm going to grow from it. Because remember, in my world, how I was trained to think, every adversity, has the seed of at least an equal opportunity, often double or triple. And you have to know it and you have to believe it and you have to not thumb suck and you have to look for it and uh, and capture that negativity and get it out. But but that is all, It's I was just in a documentary called The wow. Power of Thought and that's all about it. You have to conceive that this is gonna be a good thing. Like when I studied the merger, 
there were some people that no matter what, even though they kept their jobs, were told this was all going to happen, they refused to concede that this was actually going to be a better thing. Refused. So if you cannot conceive it, you will not believe it, and you definitely will not achieve it, to use the words of Napoleon Hill. Wow. Oh, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, this really is amazing. I will tell you, though, I've, you know, like many in our field and soft skills and so forth, I've studied resilience and all of these other sorts of things. I've never really heard the association, sort of the, the you know, resilience, if you will, and uh, re regeneration in the same breath. And that lends itself a whole different way of thinking about being re resilient that so you can say, so, so people will say, well, you have to learn how to be resilient, or you can say, well, you, you have to learn how to be, what is it you said? Regenerative? Regenerative. Yeah. Regenerative. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's the key to life. I mean, we, we all get knocked down. I'll lay my hurt cards on the table and I'll probably win for all the mm -hmm. crap that has happened to me, but you're not going to hear about that because I'm going to take that and I'm going to be smarter wiser. I always tell people half the bad, uh, the, out of all the terrible things that have happened to me, half I had coming to me for being such an idiot and the other half I didn't deserve. But good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. That's just life. I don't worry about life being fair. So the regenerative nature is the whole premise of you take you and you, the phoenix from the ashes. Okay, everybody loves the hero's journey. You get knocked down, but out of that, you become something more than what you would have been. And my dad, with the, one of his most famous quotes was, things don't happen to break you down, so you give up. Mm. They happen to break you down to build you up, to become mm. everything you're supposed to be. And when you look at adversity and pain, even the mistakes you make on your own, because I believe all things work together for good. All right. We're, we're not perfect. If we were, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need God. Okay. I wouldn't need Correct. his mercy, his justice, his insight, his wisdom, uh, because I'd be perfect. And I don't think, well, there are a few people out there that probably think they're perfect, but I think in their heart hearts, <laughs> mm -hmm. they know they're not. So, but that regeneration is, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to come back stronger and better than what I was before. I'm not just gonna adapt and get through it, but I'm not just gonna survive, but I'm actually going to thrive and become the next best version of myself and own my future space. And you that's know, really that's really what it's about. No, just so beautifully said. I, I will tell you just, just very, very briefly that for Jane and I, my wife, uh, COVID was pretty tough. You know, it, frankly, it, it started off not it, well, you know, there was the crash in the business that scared the yeah. was Jeezy out and she teaches music and had, you know, studio and people that came and all these sorts of things. So so there was that piece. But but we we just we built ourselves up really fast. We sat around and said, OK, what are we going to do here to generate income? Yada, yada. And, and that, that kind of worked itself out in some ways. Mm -hmm. But where it really hit us is that um she lost a very close aunt of hers she lost her mother i lost my father and she lost a very very close brother all in one year and and i say that for to 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 back up what you're saying Whew. she uh we we didn't we didn't know what to do about all of this there was a time that i asked her i said jane she just started crying uh, and this was after her brother had passed um and and I just went to console her and she said, Kevin, you know, the weird thing is I don't even know who I'm crying for. 
because she loved my dad dearly and her mother. She was so close to her mother. And obviously her brother was a very sudden death. And she just, she said, I don't even know what, who I'm crying for or any the emotions are just so deep. But my point that I want to say about what you're saying is we didn't know how to do this. We, we are average people. We, we just hunkered down. And I mean, for starters, we just loved and supported each other. But we just inch by inch tried to just build each other up. We didn't know what how to regenerate our good vibes or to feel better or to get over all of this stuff. We just clawed our way and we just had in our head, like you're saying, there's there's not really an alternative here. We are happy people. We have a lot to still do and say. And so let's whatever it takes. We, I mean, we would stand up and then get our own emotions would knock us back down. I, I don't know if there's a question in there, but I'm just trying to make the point that these are not just for like the super resilient, you know, I got my act together and a lot of money and I can do all these things. It's for normal people. And sometimes you just have to fight your way back to, oh, okay, can I get a witness? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and, and I, I, my heart cries. Mm. I had lost my mother right before COVID hit. I, mm. I mm. lost an, one of my dogs during COVID and that was bad enough. Cause I couldn't be, don't get me started. That's hard. And I, I thought if it. these are mm -hmm. what people went through with their loved ones, mm -hmm. yeah, I probably would be in jail right now because yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure what I would have done. Yeah. So the, not only did you have to deal with loss mm -hmm. and unexpected loss, but you had to do with a horrible not being with somebody during the time when mm -hmm. you like. Yeah. I thank God that I got to be with both my parents when they passed. Mm -hmm. I miss them so much. But that is a gem, and a lot of people were denied that. So so I can't imagine that. I would say, Kevin, when you were dealing with grief that is so pronounced, you don't even know that you can get up which you know even even jesus dealt with that um you hit the nail on the head it's really your support network everything that you're going through somebody else at least one other person has been there so i would reach out get on the web read some books get on some internet groups get in some peer support groups and just really figure out the other thing is almost everything that is really gonna scare us the most. And this is what, what freaked everybody out about COVID is the, the D word, not the C word, the D word, death. Mm -hmm. And I love Norman Vincent Peale's comment is until you're really comfortable with dying, you can't really live, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and the more comfortable you are with death because it's appointed on to, well, each of us to die. That's one, that's, that's uh, this we're certain. So get certain about that, understand, unpack it. If there's something about, now the loss, oh my gosh, you're always gonna, you're always gonna deal with that. Because Kevin, in my belief or my knowledge, death was never supposed to be a part of the equation, okay? Mm. But it is, right. all right? It's part of this temporal equation. We're yeah. all going to live forever, okay? Yeah. Our spirits will be forever. The question is where? So once, we, but, but for now we have this physical death, Regenesis, mm -hmm. call me, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, one of those things is get comfortable with that and understand mm -hmm. that my mom and dad are gone. It's a temporary separation. And yeah. that gives me the hope because yes. if if you have hope, it hurts. Um, even my dog, Roscoe, the past, I have my hope. We published a book about when God calls your best friend home, about mm -hmm. dealing with pet grief because it's a real, real thing. Mm -hmm. And so 
but you have to know, I have to know how to process this grief. And I have to know them. What are my convictions? What do I know? So I would really tell people, unpack it, understand what's going to happen. And then you can really at least have hope that even though this hurts and I miss them, I miss them so terribly. Gloria's would have been her 96th birthday was Monday. And it was a very sad, somber day for me, but hope, but there's always hope. If you don't have hope, you can't yeah. go on. And that'll get you through hope. Hope is the only thing that heals. Well, and that's great. I mean, that's just, it, you know, and that, that just hearing those words gives you, gives, gives me hope, gives us hope. And, and I have to admit, even as a Christian, I, I, I um, we forget that you know there's you know that life is eternal in our world and that these people that have passed are still out there you just you get into this crazy mindset so i'm going to ask so so now let's just talk about sort of the concept of uncertainty okay and i'm going to ask you in a moment about what works and uh and uh but you know but sort of to kick us off you know here we are all of us just the general public we're looking at 2023 we've all been through some pretty you know i would say some pretty hard times and you know let me just ask just generally speaking you know and you kind of already spoke about it a little bit but people that look into the future and and uncertainty is on their mind and it, obviously it's to different degrees i'd like to just ask start there with sort of the problem, if you will, and then move into maybe what works. I love it. So the two of the biggest problems that I know I struggled with, which led me to write Spark and, and do everything else, mm. everything in life that is going to vex you or cause uncertainty is going to originate from one of two se sessions. Number one is not knowing exactly what you want. Oh, okay. The, uh, specifically what you want. Um, and people are uncertain. And when you ask them, what are you uncertain about? You're, they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, we have to keep peeling back the yeah. onion and unpacking just that. just feel uncertain. Yeah. Yeah. I just, well, feelings lie. Okay. So we, what, what is it? And then you, but you, you go, and that's why you work with coaches and masterminds. Mm -hmm. What is it? And then 99% of the time in talking to somebody, you go, there it is. That's the issue. Mm -hmm. Now let's unpack that. And then they're like, oh, okay. Now I can name it and I can identify it. And now I can do some root cause analysis and I can mm -hmm. create a solution to get out of it. So number one problem most people have is they don't really know what they want. Okay. Mm -hmm. They know what makes them unhappy or they're kind of, but, but they don't know, what do you want to be? The only thing you can be certain about is owning your own space, but you have to define that. And that mm. takes a great deal of self-awareness and self-discipline and exposing your ignorance. And it's tough. And most people would rather just binge on Netflix for, you know, 72 days straight and not do the hard work. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, after that, not knowing what you want, the other thing is you know what you want, you know what your calling is, but you don't know how to get it. So you're more resource constrained. So, you know, there are very, there are a few people I've met that knew from a very early age exactly what their calling is, but you need a lot of external support because none of us is meant to do life alone. So they're frustrated because they know what they want, but they just don't have the means necessary mm. or the resources or they're not resourceful. Mm. So that's where you work with different kinds of experts and coaches to help you really dial in the right resources. So when people come and they're perplexed or I'm sitting there going, what is it? Why am I stuck? I really will unpack it and say, okay, Tracy, is it a will or is it a skill problem? Oh, okay. Boy. So the will is the front end, you know, mm. what, what do I want for Tracy? 
not does what would Charlie do running the business or what does anybody, but Tracy, I got to own my own space. Um, mm-hmm. God gave me a calling. It wasn't a conference call. It's for mm-hmm. me and only me. And only I know that. But then the other thing is, is, um, you know, then once you really dial it in, then helping people understand, Hey, uh, now that you know what you want, how do you go out and get that? So those are the two real problems. And once you unpack it, if they know, then I can say, because I'm a resource girl. I'm an operations girl. I, you, My background, I'm a project mm-hmm. manager. Um, I will be able to connect you with anybody to help you or help find the data. If I had my druthers, I would research 24-7 because I Ouch. love unpacking knowledge and truth. So I will. You somebody and Renee, could be uh, Brown must be, uh, you know, sisters, you know, from another <laughs> mother, whatever. Right. Yeah, there you go. The so thing, then right? I just give them give mm-hmm. them answers, that, mm-hmm. you know, resources, not solve their problem. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really one of those. If you're dealing with uncertainty, we really have to. And you see the targeted transforming tremendous. I learned that as a maintenance officer, when our jets would come down broke, we would have to troubleshoot them. I couldn't just go slapping parts on them because maybe that would fix it. But I really had to take the diagnostics and run the ops checks and sit down with the pilot and go, now what happened? What was going on? And so you really have to look at yourself and you have to debrief your life and say, what is it exactly that is causing me this discomfort. Mm. And then once you target that, then we can design specific applications. And Kevin, I think about it, if you go to the doctor and you and the doctor says, okay, you're here, you're not feeling good. What is it? I don't know. I just feel bad. Okay, well, he can't, he can't help you, okay? Right. The more we dial in what it is we want and where the pain point is, the more people can come into our lives and help us create solutions. And so that's the real secret to getting rid of uncertainty. And you're not saying show up at the doctor and know everything, no. but, you know, but at the very least, you know, have a starting place. And so the, the, the same thing with with uh, with our lives or as we're looking into 2023 you know because i'm going to ask you about a mastermind in just in just a moment about well let me say about masterminding you know even for the average person and, and many who are listening may not even understand that concept you know there's professional masterminds but then there's the concept of masterminding that i'd love to chat with you about as a that you know as one of the solutions that just the average joe and sally can put into place in their life to do exactly what you just said, help you. Okay. I, I, I don't want to throw a spoiler out there. So, so let me just, let me just ask this very quickly. So now um, before we set this up, because I think people need to know this very quickly, could you tell for those out there who, who maybe are not familiar with your father, Charlie Tremendous Jones, can you just, just talk a, just a little bit about him, who he was so that, and share, share this a little bit. Well, he came from, and I didn't find this out until two days before he passed, Mm. Um, born in the South uh, Mm. in 27, Mm. uh, right when the Great Depression then kicked off, went through all that, um, flunked out of school in the eighth grade because he was the oldest of five and his dad was unemployed, his mom ran off, and so they had to all work. Uh, Just poverty, a really difficult background, but you wouldn't have known it. You -hmm. wouldn't have known it. And he went on to the listeners to become one of the top legends in uh, personal development because he had this resilience. He had this adaptive capacity and he had this aspiration to grow. And he had people along his life at every gate, whether he was a little boy, a teenager, a young adult, a new life insurance salesman, a new husband, a new Christian that were pouring into him. 
and he was open to receive so many times we're either too insecure or too proud to accept help and i know we'll hit on that for mastermind but i tell people growing up with him it was a cross between boot camp and a sitcom so he was i can believe that <laughs> if you go to the tremendous life book channel and i know we're going to talk about that he was the funniest in your face provocative uh, pragmatic contrarian out there. So he would say stuff and you're like, what? But he really had this way of saying things and he would just upend you. But, and he was driven. I mean, um, cause right? he came from tough, tough background and there was no thumb sucking because he went through a such a tough background. He's like, he didn't suffer fools gladly, but because he came from nothing, he understood what the poor and dejected felt like. And he just loved on him. He was such pure love. So that's what he was like. And he drove me crazy as a kid. Cause I was like, can't you just be normal? And now I'm like, Oh, thank oh, God. Yeah. Well, no, you're exactly right. And, and I have to say this, that I knew of Charlie Tremendous Joan well before I even met you. I mean, this, as you just said, he truly is a legend and for others, you know, and I also read somewhere cause it didn't, completely think about it until I read it where you had where being raised with him you kind of got to hang out with a few other people that some people might be familiar with can you just do a little bit of name dropping there I think oh, it's important it is well Zig Ziglar, Zig Ziglar. Alec Mandino, Norman Vincent so it, for the listeners um you know there's a whole thing about it's called implicit leadership theory so when you're mm -hmm. like four years on up you start imprinting on your idealized leader. So my father, by taking me to these meetings and exposing me to these wonderful, successful, driven, helpful, wow. together, grounded people, I imprinted from a little girl on, they became my ideal role models. So in my world, that's who I look for in leaders and that's who I aspire to be. So it's so important, you guys with kids, Take them in, yes. let them see these really wonderful people and give them books to read up because they're already, their little minds are already imprinting. Wow, man, that is such good information right there. And uh, so your, 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 your father, uh, he, he talks about what, what works. And in fact, we're, we're going to show the audience here in just a minute about what you just said about his sarcasm and his humor and this, that, and the other, and, and how he'll say something. Well, I just happen to have a clip queued up of uh, of him talking about what works, uh, what I guess in life or, or however you want to say that, just what works. And so I'm going to bring that on and let everybody watch this for a second. It's only a, a minute and a half or something like this. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. I'll do my best not to laugh out loud, you know, because it's just, I've watched it a number of times and it's really something. Have you noticed all the speakers? Have you noticed Larry, Charlie, Chris? Have you noticed all the big speakers, how they make your way to the end? Thorne did it. They make your way to the end of the talk to give you the good stuff. You ever notice that? Not me. Not me. I give you the best stuff right now. So if you have to leave early or go to the bathroom, you didn't miss nothing. <laughs> Brother! Here it comes. Here comes the greatest thing I've been learning in 35 years of it. Now, what I'm going to share with you now, this is not theoretical, experiential. 17 years of this in one office. <laughs> you are not going to, you're going to say, oh, thank God for that one thought that paid the whole, made the whole thing worthwhile. Ready or not, here we come. This is the greatest single thing I've been learning in 35 years. Ready or not, here it comes. The greatest thing I've been learning in 35 years of business is... Nothing works. 
Let me say it again. Let me say it again. I love truth. Nothing or... <laughs> you know, what do you mean? Nothing, I mean nothing works. Larry Wilson knows nothing works. That's why he's here today. <laughs> He'll think Larry Wilson would be here. He would not be here. He'd be over in Santa Fe up in Minneapolis watching it work. You know, why did Wilson come? I'll tell you why he came. He came because he knows it's more fun. It's more fun failing here with us and failing back in his office alone. That's what I do. All right. Okay. Now, listen here. I want you to learn to get people to laugh, but don't you ever be a comedian. We're not comedians. We get people to laugh, but not at our jokes. We get them to laugh at points. And you watch every time I get you laughing, I'll drive home a point. <laughs> You you must still laugh about that, right? I crack. I'll tell you what. I just I and I heard I've heard him give speeches hundreds of times. It never, never stop. You know, and consequently, I didn't complain to him a lot growing up or when I was in my different business fields because he would just be like, "Yeah, this I told you nothing works." And we and then I just laugh and I'm like, "Oh, you know, nothing." But you know, his point was too, nothing works unless you work it. So you yeah. go back in there, you adapt. You reevaluate. You, uh, you know, it, it's it's all part of life. All these things. Okay, that didn't work, but it never works the first time, or the second time, or the third time. But mm, that's not how mm. we get strong. That's not how we grow. Mm. So uh, I just wow. I love that clip. Wow, it's just uh, it is it's so good. You know, I, I I must say to you though, Tracy. I again, I've watched a lot of your father over the years, and it's like I'm sometimes looking right at him and listening to him uh, through you. But uh, no, I mean that so sincerely. But listen, uh, and, and by the way, so for the audience, do go, where do they find more of his clips? You know, because there's two channels. Thank okay. you, Kevin. Uh, Tremendous Life Books has a okay. lot of, I've found as many as I can archived. And if any of you, I still have people send me old cassettes and VHS wow. tapes, we'll digitize them and put them up. So either Tremendous Life Books or Tremendous Leadership. Okay, that's fantastic. And both on YouTube. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, so what does work? Let's, so now we're talking, we're talking about uncertainty and, and again, we're sort of generally speaking about the concept of not being certain about what's in front of us. Uh, we've gone through a pandemic. It's shaken people up. They're looking into 2023 and beyond, you know, what are just some ideas, some thoughts some practices, techniques, whatever you want to call it that you believe will help people. And you've actually already spoken about some of it that you believe will help people get more certainty as they look to their life in the future? Well, that, I mean, that's a great question. I really think first and foremost, if you haven't already, we're almost to the end of January, mm. never too late. That's okay. Cause you were waiting for Kevin to drop his first episode. Thank so you here you much. have it. You have to sit down and you have to clearly write down specifically what you want your goals to be for 2023 until you, and I mean, write them down and I mean, put them in a place. This will triple your chances of success. Don't you want to triple your chances mm. of success? And if you don't put your goals down, how do you know what you're either even driving mm. towards? And guys, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, let's just go take the battle and fight. I, I'm not inherently a back it up goal oriented person. I'm a type A. So let's uh, shoot first and ask questions later. That, that's my natural tendency. But I have had to really, mm. after 14 years of a lot of wasted resources and, and, and you. Uh, you know, I was more on the bleeding edge than the leading edge. I have to really sit down and say, okay, Tracy, what do you want to do? Um, two things that I really love doing is there's something called the Ivy Lee method. And Ivy Lee was a consultant for, I think it was Charles Schwab. Hmm. And before each day, 
he would write down the six things, the six levers that he needed to pull the next day to move his business forward. Oh, wow. Write them down the night before. And I don't mean pick up dry cleaning. This is not an errand list. This is mm -hmm. like for me, I'd have two things about speaking, two things about publishing and two things about, you know, connecting with future authors or something like that. And you put them in. So that day when you get up, you hit the ground run and boom, and you put the most difficult one at the top. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, it, you roll over what happened. That really keeps you on point. Okay. Mm -hmm. That keeps you targeted because you mm -hmm. can't transform if you're a kaleidoscope. You need to be a laser and you really need to hone your focus. Mm -hmm. And guys, Love that. Uh, as a woman, we're multitaskers. Well, mm -hmm. That's why God made us. Okay. Because men aren't. All right. And so mm -hmm. we're, we're here okay. to. But that's Builder. our own, that's our, mm -hmm. the gift of complication. That's our own worst enemy. We really got to hone in and say, okay, what are we going to drive towards? What singular thing? And that's where men really are linear thinkers and we're more radial and radial is good if you're juggling a lot of things, mm. but it's the death of you if you're really trying to hone in on specific goals. So, so I would really, for certainty, write down your goals. And then at the end of the night, I always do a contentment journal where I try to write at least five to 10 miracles or answered prayers that happened that day. Oh, wow. So I end the day in a state of gratitude after I wrote my list oh, wow. of what I want to do for tomorrow. Mm, I don't think about that. And then when I go to sleep, the last thing on my mind is not stressing about what I should have done or something bad that happened, but in a state of gratitude. And then I drift off picturing what a perfect tomorrow will look like. And your subconscious, you can't believe when you go into your quiet time um, of rest and relaxation and slumber, you can't believe what your subconscious is doing when you feed it wonderful things. You know, I love what you're saying. It, it's, it, it resonates, but it's, it's so practical. So one, figure out the goal. And once you have the goal situated in your mind, let's say the longer term goal, even if it's just for 2023, now you actually know what levers you can pull, right? right. If you don't know what the goal is, you, you, you're, what levers are you pulling? You're right. It might just end up being haphazardly. Well, I want to do this tomorrow, that tomorrow, but not as Covey always used to say that, you know, when you're thinking about your, your, um, uh, the, the, the work and the decisions that you have to make, you have to have a mission statement. You have to have something that, you know, to which you are making decisions toward. But right. let me then ask you this about mastermind and thinking about the goal. So there are some who, who, who think about goals. And by the way, writing the goals down are important. Why? Oh, because then you can, you, first of all, it forces you to actually write it down because mm. most people, um, they won't write it down. And what it does is it makes you, okay, so I have my outcome goal, but then I get to deconstruct it and I get to put my performance goals and then my process goals. Okay. Mm. For instance, if I wanted to lose weight, okay, that's my goal, but here's what I'm going to have to do performance wise. I'm going to have to exercise a certain amount of times or do this many calories. Okay. But what's the process to get there? I have to go buy a gym membership. I have to drink a mm. hundred ounces of water a day. I have to track, you know what I'm saying? So you really deconstruct it down into little, what is it? John Updike's quote, inch by inch life's a cinch. Yes. So that's why you have to write it down because you have to have your game plan for life and you for that day. And so you got your Ivy League, you got your business goals, but then you kind of deconstruct it down to without it. I was in the military. You can have your battle plans, but without your individual, this is what you go and do at this 
time in this theater and this is your particular calling or mission, mm. um, you, you, you miss it. You're just kind of standing around. You're too big picture. So you yeah. really need to bring it down. So you have that end in mind goal. And, and but what you're saying is it maybe you didn't actually say it, but I, I'm getting from it is that the, the performance goals, the things that you do and the process goals are really the things that le- I mean, this Most might important. be obvious, it leads to that. Right. right. They lead to that. And then I want to do talk about um, uh, Mastermind because you said that. Yes. So we have a book we published two weeks ago called Inner Rival, Silencing the Negativity Within. I want everybody to go to Amazon and get it because one of our authors, mm. Jeff Buderak, who's a professional coach and athlete, mm. he talks about this. So performance goals. OK, you want to win the Super Bowl. That's great. But the outcome, big goals like that, we have the least control over. Okay, Um, uh, so many things can happen. You can get a bad ref call. You can have a player, a key player get knocked out. You can do everything Mm. within your power and still not make it happen. Okay, Mm. Um, you can have a snowy, you can have, you know, all these things. But then you have performance goals, which means you have to show up and you have to be very good at um, a a certain number of tackles, a certain number of catches, a certain. But then even performance goals is more within it. But then for me to get a certain number of tackles, I have to do my process goal. So I have to run 10 miles a day. I have wow. to do 100, 100 pull-ups every other, you know what I'm saying? So before I, I can find this technique or you this. find it, right. Yeah. So like, I want to speak X number of times. Okay. So that means for every time that I speak, I have to perform and get great resumes and great endorsements and all that stuff. But before even that, to get before I get to the stage, I have to be uh, applying to proposals. I have to be making connections. I have to be talking to other speakers and saying where they're. So these are the, I control the processes. That's all I can control. And the more I control those processes, the more likely I am to hit my long range goals. So you really bring it all back. Um, But Kevin, you talked about mastermind. Mastermind. You, that is the other thing. In addition to writing down your goals, everybody out there, please. Let's talk about it for the average person who doesn't know what masterminding is. Sure. Okay. Well, I like to think of it because I always use, you know, Jesus's parables of the sheep and the shepherd. A lone sheep is a dead sheep. Okay. Mm. Um, Mm. You know, you, a mastermind group is just two or three people that get you, that know you, that aren't in competition with you. I call them, they're your pure advocates. As a matter of fact, they want your success more than even you do, okay? Mm. So it's just this inner circle. Some are paid, some people pay because there's more of an accountability or or you're paying somebody who's really, really good and gifted in this. But if you wanna just take it easy, it could just be a group of colleagues. And I would recommend getting Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book because he really talks about the mastermind group. The thing about a mastermind group is, okay, so Kevin, I spent almost six decades of my life working on my self-awareness, but I think about a bottle of wine. I'm a fine bottle of wine, okay? Yes, okay. I am. Right. But I'm reading my label from the inside out and upside down. I think I know how I'm perceived, but I can't see myself from the outside. And that's the beauty of a mastermind. They will be able to look at you and see things that you don't see in yourself. Like I can help other people get to where they want, but we cannot, we cannot guide our own selves because that is something that somebody else comes into our life because we're meant to be in a collective together. So I need somebody to come in and to pour into me. Like I'm pouring into, into other people, pour into me. So the beauty of a mastermind group is you get people who objectively look at you. And the other thing is what I love a mastermind, a mastermind group. And when I'm working with people, I let them just talk for half an hour and they'll sit there and go, 
and I now have the answer to my question. Yes. Something about having somebody to just soundboard off of and don't think it to yourself, but actually speaking it out. And then that other person will honestly do point counterpoint and go, mm, I see what you're saying, what you're thinking, but have you thought about this? And not, what is it? Ken Blanchard's quote, none of us is as smart as all of us get everybody else's expert. Cause remember they want your success more than you. So they're going to be watching you. They're your biggest cheerleaders. So why wouldn't you assemble them? And the other thing is, I can remember when I would be speaking mm. and I'm like, well, I want to talk about this because I think this is what I want to talk about or I think this is what people want to hear. But people would come up to me afterwards and say, when you talked about this particular point, you really were energized. And I was like, really? And so then I started saying, well, thank you because I never would have seen that. And then I started really trying to incorporate more of that into my presentations. So people, like I said, self-awareness, we should always strive for self-awareness, but others can really be just a magnificent tool in helping our self-awareness. And that's what a mastermind group is. So just assemble a, a, a core group of people. And, and I wouldn't do too many friends or family because, um, you know, you want people to be able to be objective and to say things that's to right. you without you disinviting them from Christmas dinner. That's right. <laughs> you know what that's I'm right. saying? That's right. So uh, get somebody objective, get yeah. somebody from outside your business, get somebody that's not in competition, you know, like a, a competitor right. and uh, that, you know, has uh, really just a spirit of, of wanting to give you input. Wow. I mean, you just explained that so perfectly. And I completely agree with you about close friends or relatives or e even spouses. But I will say, and I, I say this very sincerely, uh, for for Jane and I, she is the exception to this rule for me. And and again, I, I would fully say that, that, you know, it can be a little bit risky, but it's just her personality style that she she understands and she is truly and i belong to another mastermind group but she is truly my mastermind group yeah. and and what what you just said there was so important and jane knows this now we've been married 36 years and she and we've done a lot of work together i mastermind with her ideas and she masterminds with my ideas but there are times and she does exactly what you just said that she'll come up in my office and i'll say i'll say exactly these words jane you know, do you have 15 minutes or 30 minutes this afternoon? I just need you to help me think through something. She'll come up here and sometimes she will not say a, not even one word. And exactly what ends up happening is like, okay, thanks very much. I think I got it now. I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. And then there's other times, which is what a masterminder would do is she would just, uh, she would just ask me some questions. You know, or she would just challenge my thinking about something yeah. or, or something to that effect. And so I think why I'm trying to bring this point out is to say that, you know, every day, normal people, because sometimes people who are aware of mastermind, they think of a professional group and and all of that is good. It's all it's all correct. But average but but people I, I don't even just anybody can gather, like you said, two or three people that will meet with them fairly regularly, let's say once a month or something and allow them, or maybe even just once. But the point is, is that if you have, if you're trying to, let's just say, let's say you gathered a, a few people who just want to build a better life. 
a happier life, a calmer, peaceful life. Let's just say that's the agenda there. And you bring two or three or four people together. Then it becomes that simple process of, okay, I wanted, I wanted to live a more peaceful life. And somebody sitting across goes, well, I mean, what is peaceful? I mean, it's just something as simple as that. And then you start talking and, and others might contribute to the ideas or whatever. I love this. And I just w- wanted to say how important this is, not just for us professionals who practice and do masterminding, but for the average person, there is nothing like having a small group of people to help you think through life, struggles, whatever. It is. And and Kevin, have them for different ones. I have my small group Bible study. Mm -hmm. I have my small group health coach. Mm -hmm. I have my core group of married people that have been married longer than me that I go to, you know, so, and and then I have my professional work group. I have my one. So different, different. I have my financial work group, but there's a wonderful analogy. We have a book that we published um, uh, four months ago, 92 years old. Dr. Roland Hughes wrote his first book. So think of the wisdom in this book, 92 years young. And anyways, he says, um, you know, think about if you're a railroad tracks and any of you, we grew up in Pennsylvania, lots of railroad. Any of you have ever tried to walk on a railroad track balance? Okay. Well, what happens? You fall off a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what happens when you have somebody else on that railroad track and you put your arm out there? You can navigate life. And that's what a mastermind group is. It's somebody to keep you balanced it's like a safety net oh, for the more that. people that support network. And I always tell people in masterminds, one plus one doesn't equal two, one plus one equals 11 mm. because you get this synergy of not only their wisdom, yes. but their connections, their resources. And, and so, and, and you open it up and it shows humility. It shows that you are open to receive and ask mm. for help. Uh, you know, a lot of us really struggle with you know, you got to ask and then you got to authorize somebody to help you. And that's why I tell people, ask. People want to help you. They want to bless you and be your miracle. So um, get them together. Wow. Uh, You know, in just this short period of time, you have just loaded us up with such good information. And as you, as you so proudly are able to do, and I know this, that you you're you're beyond just a motivational speaker. I mean, you just give us practical ideas and and actions to take. And this is what I love. This epitomizes what I what I dream for Grow Yourself to be all about. So, Tracy, before we go, I do want to ask you about your your book Spark, but which is your latest book. But would you mention the one just before that also uh, before because I think it uh, I think it's important. Uh, a great book as well. Well, there's, there's two choices by Dr. Roland Hughes and he based his, the tagline is your life is the, um, the result of the accumulated choices you make, make tremendous choices, have a tremendous life. And the other book is inner rival silencing the negativity within by Jeff Buderak, both phenomenal books that will give you incredible insights and tools to live a tremendous life. What about beyond tremendous though? Oh yeah. Oh, beyond tremendous. That's the one that, I was actually thinking about. I don't oh, even okay. exactly know when you published that, but Oh, beyond tremendous boy. That was, um, I think that was probably about seven years ago. Okay. And what this was, was everybody's like, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. And I'm like, um, and for those of you out there that have animals, uh, my dogs would write books because 
you know, who wouldn't want to read? Yeah, you actually have one about your Aussie or something like this. About your Aussie, Aussie, Aussie living, true blue. I have <laughs> Australian shepherds, and and so I have I, my cats write books. I I just because who books leadership and animals. It doesn't I get any it. better than that. No, okay, doesn't. seriously. So, um, but beyond tremendous was all about raising the bar on life. You know, what do you do when you're stepping into an organization created and and run and a legacy that's already tremendous? You got to go beyond tremendous, next level oh, tremendous. Oh, you know, yeah. and so it was really just a compilation of five years of just blogging talk about mm. inch by inch life's a cinch yeah. i had to put a book together and so i pulled together i would blog once a week 350 to 400 words and i put it together in, in a book and i and the three things are leading heating and reading so um and it's it still does really well but it's like little chips you just open it up and read a little bit for a day and and listen to me and you know kind of say, oh, oh, or, you know, I love contrarian thinking. I love when people call and they're like, well, I see what you're saying, but, but this, and I'm like, I love that you're thinking for yourself. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, so that's the other one. And then Spark. And then Spark, yeah. Spark came out um, during the pandemic and Spark is really uh, the, the layman's version of my doctoral research, okay? Because you don't go through all that, get your PhD, which by the way, somebody told me PhD stands for piled high and deep which totally made me laugh and is true. Okay. Or post hole digger. I heard that too. Either one. But um, Spark was really I like much- I high and deep. <laughs> high and deep. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Um, the five essentials to ignite the greatness within. So really um, it's the theory of self-efficacy, which hmm. is self-motivation, just a fancy PhD for self-efficacy. Because if you don't believe it, you're not going to achieve it. So first of all, you got to conceive it. You have to outline your goals. But then number two, you have to believe it. So it's really about the theory of motivation. And SPARK mm. is an acronym, S-P-A-R-K, because I'm from the military. And I like five easy steps. Yes, we do. Um, just give me the tools. I get motivation, but I have to have tools. I can't stay motivated without tools. Okay. Mm. And so S is singularity and P is persistence. You have to mm. know exactly what your highest calling is, what your experience, what your zone is at genius. There's something on this world that only you know better than anybody else. What is it? And then you have to persist. I can't do the work for you. And that's where tenacity and resilience and grit and grit. fortitude and, and perseverance, that's where that comes in. That's what you bring to the table. You must bring that to the table. But ARK is advocates, resources, and knowledge. Oh, this man. is what the world brings to you. Mm -hmm. So what always confused me growing up about motivation is why it fades is um, you can start a fire, but if you don't put fuel on it, it goes out. So people will get all pumped up, but then you don't have the resources, the knowledge, and the advocates helping you keep that fire burning. Or you got a whole lot of resources, but you're not really sure um, where you want to plant your garden and you're trying to water the whole forest instead of your little tree of, of knowledge and life. And so really the book examines the duality. Here's intrinsically what I bring to the table, but this is what I need. And, and I watch a lot of people that they'll proclaim, you know, uh, you know, what, what they want to do with their life. And when the world doesn't applaud, they'll just wither mm -hmm. up. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. but you got to persist. And then you have to find yeah. your advocates. You have to find your allies. Don't expect everybody to be on board with this. Okay. Wow. Like you got to fight for it. So that's really what spark it. is about. And it takes you through. And it, what I like about it, there's a little diagnostic tool in there. You're probably already really good at three of the five. But there's probably mm. one or two 
that you could use some focus on like persistence. I'll die before I quit. You don't have to teach me persistence. That's just, I got my dad's ten tenacity. Yes. Like I said, I, I will, I will die before and knowledge. I love knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I was knew I was always good at P and K, but I was still missing some things mm -hmm. and I was missing a lot of singularity. Okay. And I was missing a lot of resources too. So it helped me really dial in and say, okay, why am I not sparking? Why am I not sparking? I'm not blaming anybody else other than me. And I have to dial it in. So that's really what the book is. And we have courses wow. and we have deep dive groups and we have one-on-one -on -one coaching, all kinds of things. Oh, that's fantastic. And and just before we end, I'm going to ask where people can find all of that. But I have a couple of really quick things that I want to bring out. Sure. One, I read, because you talked about motivation and grit, I read some time ago about the idea, I, if I'm not mistaken, they actually studied uh, you know, maybe young kids or adolescents and, and follow them through life and determined the number one, I don't know if, I, if, if they called it a skill, but the number one idea or one number one attribute that, that helped people who were from kids to, to, to a, a successful career was grit. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't know why I was surprised to see that, but that but they pointed directly towards grit. They didn't say resilience. They said grit. How would you define grit? Grit is um, ownership, first of all. And yeah. that's why a lot of young people don't have it because mm -hmm. they've been shielded from having to deal with the consequences of their choices. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Um, and so that's the most thing. So grit is, man, I screwed up. Okay. I go into prisons and do book club with these guys. These guys know what they did. They own it. They're paying the price, but they have chosen no matter what, I'm going to come out of this place, a better person. And next time when I go into society, I'm going to do it right. That's grit. Wow. Realizing that whatever happened before, I'm going to own it and I'm going to revamp. I'm going to change intrinsically. I'm going to get the skills that I need to. I'm going to reprogram the synapses up here and I'm going to get back out there no matter what it takes. And wow. Kevin, no some of these guys takes. are in for life. That's the yeah. ultimate grit. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It, you, you, you have to, I mean, because, uh, yeah, you I mean, you, you, you seemingly have no these place the, to go. Yeah. Right. Right. These yeah. are the choice. I tell people wow, evolve wow. or evacuate. Right. This, these are the two, these are the two choices in life. Yeah. Okay. So my last question, and this is coming out of nowhere, but you made me think about it. And it's really just a question I've been thinking about for many years. And I ask people from time to time. Tracy, don't you have to, no, Dr. Jones, don't you have to have self-discipline to be self-disciplined? Well, that's a great question. So there is a term in um, psychology, conscientiousness. Um, for our listeners out there, I'm going to give you a free online tool. It's called the nice. Big Five. The mm. big five personality traits. You've probably done DISC and Myers Briggs yeah, and, never heard of and Strength five. Finders, all that stuff. But this is the gold standard because that's behavioral. Mm. This is your personality. And your mm. personality is going to direct. <laughs> that's why you change your personality and that changes your behaviors. You can't change your behavior until you change the inner dialogue between the head and the heart. And so self-discipline, self-awareness is the number one trait of emotional intelligence. Self-discipline is number two because you may be self-aware, but if you can't discipline yourself. Um, so conscientiousness, ocean, O-C-E-A-N, openness, conscientiousness, okay? Mm. Conscientiousness is all about self-discipline, which is all about, are you ready? Habits. And Aristotle wow. even said that. <laughs> Excellence is all about habits. 
The New Common Denominator Success by Albert Ian Gray. The only difference between a success and a failure is that a success has made a habit out of doing the things a failure doesn't want to do. Discipline is all about habits and you own your habits. It's ownership, free will. I've asked a number of people this and some uh, some great speakers out there that you know, that's the best answer I've ever heard. I, I say Thank that you. very sincerely. Well, I'm glad my degree is paying off. <laughs> Made me go, what? <laughs> so, uh, because it's a true question that I ask myself all the time. I think to myself often, you know, yeah, I mean, but God, if you don't have self-discipline, I mean, I, I guess I'm suggesting that it's innate, if you will, self-discipline, no. oh, but no. you're, you're saying no. I'm, you're saying, I am, I am the yeah. most Right. I am the most undisciplined, procrastinating mm -hmm. girl out there. That's why I like the Ivy Lee method. Mm -hmm. Write it down at night. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose of goals. Then you can't mm -hmm. drift and you can't procrastinate. And when you have masterminds, you cannot not own it and be accountable. Yeah. You put all these little blinders like the little Amish horses. So mm -hmm. you stay on the track. Otherwise, we're like, what? Mm -hmm. And that's no good. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's the same for all of us. But there's mm -hmm. all these little tools and tricks and resources that you can use to do it. But I don't think I think maybe some people and when you take that ocean test, that big five personality test, some people are coded pretty high in co conscientiousness. I am. I'm. That's why I like the military. It's a natural I'm, tendency, right? You know, right. Yeah. And you do too from the military. Those mm -hmm. of us in the sure. military, we're rule abiders, and yeah. we we follow our word. If not, we would not have been very, very good in the military. No, that's um, very good. But you can be taught it. And, yeah. and this is one of the things that I, when I interview people, how, how self-motivated are you and that and self-disciplined, um, you know, can you monitor to yourself? Can you self-regulate yourself, your behaviors, your corrections, your emotions? Isn't that um, one of the fruit of the spirit, the self-control thing? Or? Yes, that's it. That's mm. it. But habits, um, habits, habits is the greatest thing. Cause like I said, I'm not intrinsically very, very disciplined. So I really, so I have a lot of um, support structure around me. Work at it. Yeah. Very good. Well, my goodness. So before we uh, check out here today, let me just ask, where can people find your books, uh, your work, you know, where they, where can they find Tracy? I mean, just please lay it out there. I mean, I will put them in the show notes, but I always just love to ask my guests to just say them out loud. Well, please, everybody out there, I would love to connect with you. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I think it's a tremendous professional network. Mm -hmm. uh, come over to TremendousLeadership.com or TracyCJones.com. That's more my speaking, coaching, consulting site, but Tremendous Leadership, I have the podcast on there. I have a lot of our courses. I have all the books because we're a publisher too. And I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to be a resource for you. I'd love to have you on my podcast. Mm. I'd love to be one of your advocates. So uh, I'd love to spark, help you spark and spark with you. Yes. And your, I, I imagine your book is, is on your website, but also is it on Amazon, Amazon well? It's on Amazon. Yeah. Yep. You can get it, order it through mm -hmm. bookstores. It's on yeah. Amazon or our website, wherever you want to go, audiobook, ebook. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the beautiful thing about having a guest like you is that, you know, honestly, especially after the, the, the conversation's over, there's, there's, no need to even boast or brag uh, at me as a host uh, because it's so self-evident after hearing honestly your brilliance and your and your and your and your humanity too i think they come out beautifully in 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 your spoken words so i encourage people and i hope a lot of people will go read your book and visit you and reach out to you tracy it's been such a pleasure and privilege to have you on Thanks, Kevin. I'm truly honored. Thank you so much. Thanks to the listeners. God bless you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Okay.
Mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye.